you would in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5. Let's, let's talk about what would you do or what could you do if you were not afraid? What could you do if you were not afraid? Well, for sure, you're going to have to get out there exceeding abundantly above what you could ask or think because uh, we wouldn't admit it, but maybe we are a little afraid of some things. Maybe that what we're doing and not doing is a reflection of something working on the inside that the Lord wants to go, wants it to go. A fear or an impediment or an experience or a, uh, something that happened in our past that we said, I, you know, I'll never do that again. I, I stepped up when I worked at the ice house in high, high school. I was standing in water and I grabbed the conveyor belt, the electric conveyor belt. <laughs> I was the man on fire. <laughs> so I don't touch conveyor belts and a whole bunch of other stuff went like that. So it does affect you. Um, so what, what could you do if you were not afraid? I'm, I'm, you should ask yourself right now. You should just think in your mind, what could I do if I was not afraid? Which makes you think, I may, I may be afraid of some things that I hadn't either thought about or I'm not willing to admit, or they just don't come along and I don't have to face them. I don't have to deal with them because what I'm afraid of doesn't ever happen or anything. So uh, we ought to know, what could we do? If we're talking about potential here. We're talking about your capacity. We're talking about the dream in God's heart that he wants to put in you. It's, it's actually a vision in his heart and it's a dream in our heart. So we know, we know this, that we're not a car just because we're in a garage. Is that true? So uh, uh, what's in the garage does not describe what it is because it's in a garage. We know that uh, it's not what you've done, but what Jesus has made you. So we're talking about identity here. Who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Well, I'm in the garage. I must be a car. Which goes to say, well, I did this, therefore I'm a that. I stole something when I was in the fifth grade or whatever you could say. Therefore, I must be a thief. And that's what people, that's what people, that's what the devil will tell you. You did it, therefore you are. But I was once a sinner, but I'm not a sinner. But I once was. But then I got Jesus and I got born again. And so salvation is never based on what we did. It's based on who Jesus made us. So then you could say, we're just, we're just following a reason, a rationale here. So then you could say uh, uh, that what I identify with describes me or you more than my experience or what people have lied. The devil, the devil's a liar. So he's lied about all of you. Family and friends and people that are jealous or in competition. And so we're, we're not concerned about that, but we have to establish I am who he made me. And I can do what he said I can do. And I can have what he said I can have. And that's the limitations. If the Lord says no, it's no. But until he says no, we're wide open. We did a series not too long ago that says, uh, who, who's, who's gonna, who should tell you how, when you have too much? 
First Peter chapter five. Are you there? It says in verse five. So there's a long discourse here, sort of long. And because he starts out in verse five with likewise. So he says, likewise. Ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject to one to another and be clothed with humility. Say that with me and be clothed with humility. Why? Why should he tell us to be clothed with humility? There must be a prophet or a reason for that. He said, uh, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. So he said, be clothed with humility. Otherwise, you're going to find your you're in a situation where you're paddling upstream and God's wanting you to go downstream. And it's a whole lot easier. So he said, uh, be clothed with humility for God resisteth the proud. That's quite a word. I looked up all these words today, uh, resisting and all that. The word proud, it means a lot of things, apparently. But the one I got out of it was that uh, it's someone that appears conspicuously above others. They're proud. They appear or make themselves appear conspicuously above others. So you'd say someone that's proud might be haughty or self-centered or full of themselves or condescending. A lot of words there you could put in there. He said, don't do it. Don't do it. Now, we're talking about identity here, talking about who we are and that we don't have to be someone we're not, because if we will find out who we are, we're plenty. I'm plenty with who he made me. I don't have to add on or compete or line up and, and manipulate things and make things look like I'm something when I'm not. If I just be who he made me. Because then I can do what he said I can do and I can have what he said I can have. That's more than your boat can hold right there. And so uh, he said, uh, uh, verse verse five uh, giveth grace to the humble. The word grace there is the word charis, and it means favor. It means uh, strength. It means a lot of things. But the, the word humble there pretty much means genuine. It's not that you're abased and, you oh, I'm just a worm. I'm a no good, no good. And I'm just an old thing that God picked up. It's, that's false humility. That's, that's, that's a lie. That's a lie against who he made you. God don't have no junk and we're God's kids. So where, where is he? Where's he keeping the real ones? If, if we're junky, it means uh, to be selfless, genuine or selfless. It is what it is. I am who he made me. I can do what he said I could do. I can have. And if he says I can have it, I don't care what anybody says, including me, including me. And me is the only one I'm really working on. Because we don't really give a rip anymore about what people. We've kind of got past that stage of life where we're like, oh, they talked about me and I don't know what to do. Find out who made, who, what Jesus has made you. So I wrote this down. I'll tell you what I wrote down. God cannot flow or cooperate with anyone who does not discern his true identity and position. God cannot flow or cooperate with anyone who does not discern his own identity and position. So we said the other day that the Lord's never going to send you someplace where you, they tell lies on you. 
He'll never send you to a church. He'll never say, listen, I got a church for you. They're going to tell you that healing passed away and God don't like you to have money and that you're a worm. But boy, they got a pizza, pizza night on, on Fridays that's out of this world. I'm sending you there. He doesn't send you anywhere where they tell lies on God. Now, that doesn't mean you can't wander in and that you can't say this is great and I like the building and the stained glass is really pretty, but it doesn't mean he sent. So God cannot flow or cooperate with anyone who does not discern his own identity and position, but he empowers those who deny a false identity. I know this is long. He empowers those who will resist a false identity and they operate according to his plan. That's where I want to go. How about you? I just want to be him. I just want, I want to be, he's in charge of, of the do-over. When we all got born again, we didn't even know what was messed up that he should replace and fix. And we didn't even know where we should go, what we should do, what we should become. But he did. And everything turned out good. The passion version says he will eventually, this is verse 6. Excuse me. Let's do verse six. Verse six. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That sounds easy. That he may exalt you in due time. So humble yourself so that so that to. To get you where God can do something. You do something so God can do something. He said, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Why? That he may exalt you in due time. The Lord wants to exalt us. It's, it's his agenda. It's, 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 it's like, this is on, what's the project today? This is Wednesday. What are we going to do? We're going to do some exalting in the body of Christ. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to woo and draw and entice and, and uh, to get people to humble themselves under my mighty hand and not be haughty and proud and, and, and if they will, then I can, I can do what I want to do which is to exalt them. That's not what you hear everywhere, but that's what he says. That's what the word says. And so uh, verse six in the passion says, he will eventually exalt you as you leave the timing in his hands. Now, I thought that was interesting. Uh, the King James says uh, it may exalt you in due time, but the passion says he'll exalt you as you leave the timing in his hands. How many's ever got out ahead of God? We did. We did. Uh, I've drugged my feet more than a few times, but I've also been out in front of him looking for him, thinking he was already there. And he he hadn't left the house yet. And there I was all by myself trying to do what only he could do. And it was only me. And it, it wasn't pretty. And so. Uh, something about letting him. About humbling yourself puts you in receive mode. Receive mode. In other words, the guy that's haughty and conspicuously above everybody, there's not much going in. Do y'all know those people? There's, I've, I've certainly been there where there's not much going in. When I moved here from Texas, I was full of Texas and I, it wasn't pretty and it took some shucking to... Uh, let me find out. We, we're just as proud of Alabama as you are of that place. And now, you know, I tell people I was born and raised here. and I, I just, this is my place. Hallelujah. So, so when you humble yourself, then stuff that's stacked up at the door 
like UPS or FedEx or somebody that's nobody was home. So they just stacked it up at the door. Something about humbling yourself and just agreeing with God, agreeing, Lord, I am what you made me and it's enough. And I can do what you said I can do and it's enough. I don't need any more and I can have what you said I can have and it's enough. Something about humbling yourself and agreeing with heaven makes you receive. It's not like God, well, God got in a good mood today and he started doing some amazing things. Kind of like I said about my father. When I turned 30, my father got smart. <laughs> Y'all know that story? <laughs> he was done as a bag of hammers until I turned 30 and all of a sudden... He was a good guy. He still is. Amen. So, uh, so here's the question. How do you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God? It's one thing to say, well, this is what each word means. But how do you do that? How do you humble yourself? Well, you eat dirt and you act like a worm and you, you, you say, I'm no good. And I've, I'll never, God couldn't do anything with me. That's not what the Bible says. Look what it says here uh, in verse 7. Well, we'll read verse six again. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Then there's a colon there. It says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Oh, I can humble myself by just casting my care upon him. Listen, it takes faith. You're in faith when you cast your care upon the Lord, because we all like to hold on tight and micromanage and maneuver and get it through there and make sure and come back like a, you know, like a, a little mama with four kids or something, you know, just rounding them up. Well, casting your care upon him for he careth for you. That sounds too simple. That he would exalt you the moment you cast your care upon him. But isn't that what those three verses say or two verses, uh, five, six and seven, three? I can do that. I love the word that it's where this, this great promise that God can do this and you go back and say, okay, what's the conditions? And, and it's like, that's it? Confess your faults one to another that you may be healed? I can do that. And cast my cares upon him for he careth for you. The, uh, the Amplified says, <laughs> get this, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. Cast all your, you want me to do it again? All your anxieties, cast all your worries, cast all your concerns once and for all on him. I can do that. Can we do that? Yes. I mean, we're not doing it tonight and you're going to have to, you know, you've got to take this message home. You've got you to think about it tomorrow. You can't do all you're doing here in the workshop. This is church. This is, this is instruction time. But you got to go home with it. You got to tomorrow drive down the road and nobody's around and you just start casting your care upon him. Lord, my money and Lord, my body and Lord, my past and Lord, my what are people? What about my job? And what about my mother-in-law? Dear heaven. <laughs> Easy. OK, you start casting your cares upon him. And how do you do that? You agree with heaven. You start saying, I agree with you. That this isn't right, what I'm doing. This care, this worry, this, uh, in Matthew chapter 6, what it says, it said, take no anxious thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Take no anxious thought. So that's, I can do that. 
I can roll down the road or, or get up early or stay up late or whatever and just start casting cares. And as soon as you, they're attached to a string as it was, a rope. Once you get the first one out and you make a genuine confession, say, God, what I've been doing is wrong. I've been fussing and fretting and I've been ornery to other people and because I've got cares that I can't handle. And you said this, but I don't see that. And so here, God, and you just start casting them on him and said, I don't know how to do this, but I know I can cast. The word cast means to throw. Throw your cares upon him. You got a care too? No, not me. I'm... We, we're A plus here. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, if you don't have 100. Yeah, if you don't have but 30. But if you got one, you need to do some casting. Because he'll exalt you. Oh, what would happen if God exalted you? It'd be good. It'd be better. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, verse five there, we'll go back to that. It says, uh, uh, verse five, it says, God resisteth the proud. Did y'all see that? It's in verse five. God resisteth the proud. It doesn't say it different than that. I looked up every Greek word and chased it down and looked at all these things. It just takes 13 seconds to get this out, but sometimes it takes a little longer to get it in. And so the word resisteth the proud means you're not cooperating. And he's just not going to put up with it. He's like, I got people over here that want to go with me and are looking for me. And, uh, and I'm going to go help them until you figure it out that you got some care casting to do. So it says he resisted the proud and giveth grace to the humble. They must be opposites. That he's, he can't give us everything we need until we make a place for him to, to, to receive it. So... Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Slip over there. We got a minute. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's just walk this out just a little bit more. Verse 17. Now here's the truth. Here's the truth. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if therefore, therefore, so he's, he spent 16 verses telling, telling us something. And then in verse 17, he says, therefore, or I said all that to say this, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. King James says creature. Other versions say creation. He is a new creature. If he be, one version says, if any man be in Christed. But it's all the same. He is a new creature. And then he describes the new creature. Now, he's, 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 he's reading your mail. He's reading my mail. He said, all old things are passed away. So are we hanging on to any old things? They're passed away. They're dead. Somebody passed away. Yeah, they passed away. They're gone. Well, we ought to say the old things in our life before the new birth are passed away. I have tried to cast out the desire for chocolate, and, and it's resisting hard. <laughs> I'm working on that one. Behold, so we're going to have an addendum on passed away. All things are become new because it's not enough just for the old things to be gone because there's a vacuum left. There's an empty spot. He said, so the old things cleared out, and behold, all things have become new. 
I wonder if that's what the Bible means. Well, that's what it says. So we're something special. And I want to tell you something, church, just because you don't look, you, you can have an old car in the garage and you could say, you know, it's, it's, it's an ugly car, but it's a car. And your life may be like, I got some mess ups and everything. Well, we all have, haven't we? I mean, dear Lord. And we can remember them. And it, it, the only time we should remember those is if we're going to give a testimony and say, I just want to tell you what you're going through. I've already been there, done that. And here's what the Lord Jesus did for me. And that's the only time we need to even bring it up. Otherwise, it is passed away. Passed away. It's dead. Uh, the Amplified says, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether, the, now, here's where it's good. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. So we don't have any limits anymore. The old man had limits. Because you had to cover what you did bad in order to fit in with people. You had to cover it. You had to... You had to uh, make it little or make it go away. Um, so we have God saying, if you'll just humble yourself. Another word for that is if you'll just be honest. Say honest. That's a real powerful word in the word. He knows already. Y'all, we know. We know God. It's like I'm hiding this from him. He'll never find out. Yeah, right. We just got to get honest and say, I got to get this out. I don't have to tell anybody. I don't want to tell anybody. Someday I might when I got the victory over it and looking back and they, they, but right now it's just between me and him. And he said, old things are passed away. Well, I'm born again. Are y'all born again? Yes. We're all born again. We're all full of God. And he said, he said, if you'll get honest, old things passed away. That's truth. Behold, all things have become new. That's truth. So he wants us to humble ourselves and be who he made us, which is forgiven, which is restored, which is a garage sale. Clean out all the old and, and call Haverty's and say, bring that new furniture in. We were, we're renovating. Um, so it seems like the Lord's saying that he resists people that don't want to be honest. And therefore, he can't exalt them. And you look at him and say, well, you're a Christian. What's wrong with you? Well, I got this trouble and I got that trouble. And you find out pretty soon they've got a lot of cares and they won't cast them upon the Lord. And so he's not able to exalt them. And so their, their, their life is just kind of on hold. We've all been through seasons where it just seemed like it wasn't moving as fast as it should or could. And it's because of these very things. We, we let cares stack up like God doesn't want to hear them or he's too busy or like these are too hard for him. I, I don't think that's right. I'm a new creation in Christ. So he resists things like we would. Have you ever heard this? I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. OK, that that's who you are. That's we're saying I'm identifying as an old sinner. Oh, don't forget the other part saved by grace. Well, no, you're an old sinner. 
like an old car with a new paint job or a, a, a <laughs> no, we're not sinners. So you're not humbling yourself. Actually, old sinners saved by grace is an exaltation of I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven. And it's it's a false humility and God does not like it. Uh, how about uh, when you lay hands on somebody for healing and they thank you, they say, thank you for praying for me. I feel better. This is good. And here's what people say sometimes. Say, they'll say, uh, uh, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't do it without God. Why do we say that? Well, it's, it's a humility. We're, we're certainly, we don't want them mistaking us for God Almighty. <laughs> oh, you, you may have thought that, that I'm God. Well, I, I'm not, I couldn't do it without God. But actually, what is that little attachment that says, uh, I, I, uh, that healing had nothing to do with me and uh, I couldn't do it without God? Well, I just wanted to know who, who's ever healed anybody without God. He's in us. He made us. Uh, it's wrong. Can y'all see it? You go, if you have to explain it, you're saying, oh, well, I'm nobody. I'm, I, God just uses me, but I'm nobody. Well, you ought to have seen how the healing thing was going or the evangelism thing was going before people stepped up. When they just left it all to God. Well, we got all that. We got a hundred uh, uh, sick people here and we're just going to see what God will do. And we just sit there and wait. How, how many of y'all know that's that's what's going on every day, but nothing's happening. When does it happen? When we lay hands on the sick. I don't know if y'all are going with me or not, but yeah, that's when it happens. So for us to say, oh, I, I'm nothing, it denigrates or it puts down who I am. I am a healer. What kind of healer are you? I'm just a Christian. And all Christians are healers. Whether they know it or not, it's in there. What's in there? Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Uh, I hear this one, and I've been kind of laying down on it. That grace is when God is better to me than I deserve. Grace is when God is better to me than I deserve. Is that true? Why is that true? Well, if you're no sinner, it is true. You don't deserve it because you're a sinner. But I'm not a sinner. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of righteousness. Isn't that what the word said? I'm, I'm, a, uh, I'm in the kingdom. I'm, a, I'm, in, I'm one of the children. <laughs> and so I do deserve it. So why, why would God be giving out grace to some people that don't deserve it, but other people he doesn't give grace out because they don't deserve it? Why? Where's the line? It looks like it's got to be one for everybody. Either we all deserve grace because we're born again, we're children, or none of us do. Think about that for a minute. Time's up. Regeneration has made us sons. It's not good works. 
It's not good works. That's what I want to tell you all tonight. Regeneration. The new birth has made us who we are, not what we've done or what we've not done. Uh, I like what Dr. Cole said. Uh, if I can find it, but he said, uh, he said, people are always preaching on the clothesline. Well, if you if you wear this and if your hair is that and if you do this, it's they're always saying. I heard I heard a man on online yesterday. I just thought of this. You'll be glad to know I remembered it. He was on the Asbury revival, and he got himself a little camera and put it on the hotel room and. He was saying, he said, number one, it can't be of God because they, they use Bibles that are not King James. He says, right there, you've, you've, you've disqualified it. He said, they're using the devil's versions. <laughs> and then he said, uh, there's a woman up there and there's men out there. And we know if a woman's up there and there's men out there, we know that's of the devil. I forget the third one, but I think I was pretty smitten by the first two. <laughs> But, but you go, okay, there's a move of God. It didn't pass the King James test and it didn't pass the woman test. Uh, so we're sons of righteousness. Turn with me to first. No, let me just read you 1 John 4, 17. We got, we got to go. 1 John 4, 17. Does anybody know what that says? As he is, so are we in this world. So I... I I'm not an old sinner because as he is, Jesus is, so am I right now. Well, do you, are you saying you never messed up? Sure did. Sure did. But that's not who I, what I've done doesn't mean who I am. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world. What did he do? He gave his only begotten son. Is that true today? Wait, 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 back up. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Is Jesus the only begotten? He was then. But now I'm here. Are you here? So now the word says in Romans, for whom he did foreknow, he also did, did be predestinated to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Oh, he was the only begotten son until the new birth, and then we were begotten. Are you begotten? Are you a son, a daughter of God Almighty, just like Jesus? Well, we're not Jesus. We're not saying we're Jesus. We're not saying we're saviors. We're not, we're not. He is a complete and a whole different entity. But when it comes to sonship, the Bible says all through the New Testament that he is the son of God, and all through the Bible, the New Testament says that you are the sons of God. So which way is it? Oh, we must all be sons. I thought we were all old flea-flicking frogs and old sinners saved by grace. No, we've been elevated. We've been regenerated. And we're somebody. We wasn't anybody, but now we're somebody. Now that's how heaven looks at you. Heaven doesn't look and say, oh, that pitiful thing. Look at that. I can't help nothing like that. I'm the, that's bad. That's just B-A-D bad. I can't help nothing like that. He never, he's never had that thought. He looks at us like we're his children. How do you look at your children? Well, never mind that, but uh, <laughs> I mean, they all survived whatever they did that was terrible. 
and you were just going to throttle them, but they all survived, and now they're the apple of your eye, sort of. And uh, that's the way he looks at us. Do you think our sin is any worse than the disobedience of our own children? When he gave us the example of a father and said, I want you to mimic this. I want you to imitate this. I want you to be in the same measure and mold and pattern as this. I'm the father. I had a son. I want you to have a family. It's the same thing. Uh, Romans 8, 31 says, if God be for us. Don't you all love this verse? It says, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Did he? How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So the Lord wants you to have some stuff. By the Holy Ghost, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. I'm telling you, this is a good gospel. This is a good gospel. Everywhere that religion says you can't and it shouldn't be and, and we don't like it. The Lord said, but I do like it. You're there in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Look in verse 21. I want to tell you about the three, the three principles of identification and substitution. And it won't take but a minute because you know all of them. The kingdom we talked about Sunday is based on seed time and harvest. That's how it operates. But how it legally functions is based on identification. So Jesus became who we were on the cross so that we, through substitution, might become who he is. How do we know that? It's in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, for he hath made him to be sin for us. Who is that talking about? Well, that's Jesus. He hath made him, the words prepared him, to be sin for us. So he became sin with whose sin? Our sin. All of them, all the way back to when you first got born to now and all the sins that you will commit. It's not like I'm going to have to get up on the cross if we if we go to Thursday because they're liable to mess up somewhere. No, he took care of the sin problem. So he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Why? That we might through identification and substitution. We identify with him and then he substituted for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That we might be made. Uh, the word is completed, finished, fulfilled. That we might be made the right. So, so what are you now? I'm the righteousness of God. Do I feel like it? Never. Do I look like it? Not at all. But he says I am. So I have to humble myself and say, I am who he says I am. And actually, actually, to say differently is to say, to say, well, I don't want to be the righteousness of God. I just want to be an old sinner saved by grace. Actually, that's what, what, what did we say that word was? That was uh, proud. Now, I'm, that's the lesson tonight. If you all want to know what the lesson is is that you don't have to be haughty and condescending and, and puffed up to be proud. You can just identify with someone that God does not identify with for you, and then you'll be proud. 
If you want to say, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace, you are proud and God's resisting you. Y'all didn't get that. Okay. <laughs> we, have to, we have to identify with who he identified us with. He identified us with who? Jesus. So Jesus came as a sinless man, born of a virgin, so he was sinless. And he was on the cross and all the sins of the world were laid on him. We were on the cross with Jesus. 2,000 years ago, not even a thought. And we were on the cross, our sin was on. And so he died with me and you with him. We died, even though we weren't even there. But then we're all dead. But in three days, he was resurrected. I'm still with him, aren't you? Because I, I, he identified with me yet unborn so that I could identify with him in what he did. So he became what I was on the cross so that I might identify with him in resurrection. So as he is, what does it say here? He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, why? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So number one, we have identification and substitution for sin. He became sin and we became righteous. Number two is 2 Corinthians 8, 9. You're right there. Slip over to verse 9. It says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, does the Bible say Jesus was rich? <clears throat> Does the Bible say that Jesus was rich? Y'all are a little weak tonight. Yet for your sakes, he became poor. The word poor there, as you know, is the word beggar or indigent. Real poor. Why? That ye through his poverty might be made, might be rich. So he identified with our lack, our need, our shortage, so that we could identify with his supply, his funding, his never runs out. There's plenty more where that came from. That's part two of the covenant. Part three is in 1 Peter. Verse chapter uh, two, verse 24. Who his own self, his own self, the Lord Jesus, him own self. This wasn't an angelic project. His own self bare took away our sins in his own body on the tree, the cross. Why? That we being dead to sins should live to righteousness. So that we would live, we would be able, we would be empowered to live righteously. It was a curse. And it goes on in that verse that says, cursed is every man that hangeth upon the tree. Well, that's in Galatians 3. Cursed is every man that hangs upon the tree. So he became a curse with our affliction so that we would be free from all affliction. Jesus died for our sins, but you don't have to accept it. He died and he's not going up on the cross when somebody says, I want to get saved. He's already died in advance and he's paid the price. So therefore, you know, we know by the same identification and substitution he paid the price for us to be supplied. 
It's not like, I wish God would make me rich. I wish God would pay, make my mortgage payment. He did. I wish I didn't have to go to hell. You don't. And then right here, uh, we have the same thing. I am not, I am not healed. I am the healed. I am the healed. I'm, it's not a condition that I'm working in and out and some days I feel better about it and some days I'm in faith about it and some days not. It's not something that's coming on me, something that is transient, that comes in and out. I am. It's who I am. I am in Christed. I'm a new creation in Christ. I am supplied, funded, wealthy, and I am healed, whole, and healthy. That's the end of it. Now, you can argue with it. You can debate it. You can look around and find your stuff that you can scratch around. Uh, they, they've been doing it for years, and they're on the Internet and everywhere else. But it doesn't make it true. Identification is the whole kingdom of God. It's the legal sense of the kingdom. So who do you identify with? Well, I don't feel too good. I must be sick. Well, you can identify with that. You can deny it, but you are proud. You are puffed up, and the Lord's resisting you. So I'm fixing to go throw up my, my little healed self. <laughs> I heard all over, but you know the drill. It's not, we don't go by what we feel or what we uh, look at. The Bible says in Romans 8, 1, we'll quit. There is therefore now no condemnation to who? To them who are in Christ Jesus. So my past has been obliterated. My, what I've done and what I haven't done. What, I didn't finish a while ago, but we are not condemned for what we do. We, they want to preach on the clothesline and they want to say, if you commit adultery or if you steal or if you whatever, you're going to hell. That's what they say in some measure, some sense. But nobody's ever condemned for what they didn't do, what they did. Excuse me. No one's ever condemned for what they did. We're all condemned for something that we don't do, which is receive Jesus Christ. If you receive Jesus Christ, all the other stuff doesn't matter. Now, we know that if, you, if uh, the wages of sin is death, we know the wages of sin are death. So you go, well, I'll just send up a storm since I'm forgiven. Well, boy, go to it. But the wages of sin are death. It's going to bite you every day. If you steal or fornicate or, or whatever people are doing, saying, I can get away with this because the Bible says I'm forgiven. Well, you'll still go to heaven, but boy, it'll be a tough road there. I may have thrown you all off that. So what could you do if you were not afraid? We need to quit holding on to this life too tightly. These things don't matter. They say that nobody was on their deathbed. No one's ever been on their deathbed. And, and, the, and somebody came by and said, can I pray with you? And he says, well, I'm just concerned. I left some paperwork undone at the office. No one ever said, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. Great waves of guilt come over people because they didn't do right. And they know their life is pretty much worthless. They're going to heaven, but they're pretty much worthless. So I wrote down this. You can't live until you're not afraid to die. Now, this is the truth. Until you lose that fear of dying, I mean, no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. You're going to be fine. But the fear of dying is irrelevant and irreverent 
So until you're not afraid to die, you really can't live. You can't be used if you're afraid for your reputation. We don't have a reputation, family. Jesus is our reputation. We're in him. So if they say naughty things about you, uh, they say that Peter was crucified upside down because he did not want to be compared to the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. So he had them. He didn't want to be in that same category. You can't be heavenward if you're earthy. And then I wrote this other one down. I read this one. Waiting for heaven to taste heaven nullifies this life. Waiting for heaven to taste heaven. So guess what we're supposed to have? Days of heaven right here on earth. Amen. So that when we step over from earth into heaven, well, there'll be no devil there. Well, we've got power over the devil here and there'll be no lack there. But the Bible says he made us rich. Well, there'll be no sickness there. Well, the Bible says that he, he by his stripes, I was healed. There'll be no sin there, but sin shall not have dominion over you. It's heaven. What needs to happen? Wake up. Wake up, son. Wake up and believe the truth. So, Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you tonight. We are changed. Even your word leaves us changed. And so we are changed tonight. We ask you to amplify and to multiply what it is that we need to hear over and over until we get that integrated into our spirit, man. Thank you, Lord, for loving us unconditionally. Thank you, Lord, for just making it work. When we thought we didn't deserve anything, you just made it work. And we got, we went, golly, look at that. He did it anyway, and you always will. Thank you, Lord, for River Church hosting a move of God in Tuscaloosa and Alabama. It's so, it's done, and we're glad. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Just remember this, you're not a car just because you're in the garage. <laughs> uh, we're going to receive our...